Hi, welcome to the Vine Church podcast, where this week we are privileged to have Pastor Aaron Dowds giving a great message. Enjoy. Let's just put our hands together for Aidan as he comes up. Thank you. All mic'd up, all ready oh, to thank go. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. It's great to be here. I uh, just want to emphasize men, June the 13th is Thursday, a week on Thursday. We're meeting, the men of the church will be meeting together. We're going to have a great time together. We're changing the name from Flight Club Church because some have been getting confused, showing up, thinking it's our usual outreach and we're singing and praying and worshiping. Not that's a bad thing, but they're surprised because they under the impression that we're eating curry, and we're not. <laughs> so we're, we're going to be meeting together. It's important for us men to encourage one another, build one another up, strengthen one another, worship, pray, and hear from God together. So we're going to be doing that Thursday the 13th. So please, men, put that in your diaries, and please do come along. Happy are the generous. My message for this morning, as Michael said, it's on the, the Bible app. Happy are the generous. And um, I just want you to imagine that you had a bank account. And in the bank account, every piece of money that you've spent the last five years, either wastefully or ruined your money, whatever, maybe it's that piece of clothing that you bought and it lies in the cupboard and you've never worn it. I'm not going to decide what is wasteful. That's for you to decide. But over the past five years, Anything that you spent your money on, wasted your money on, regret spending your money on, was deposited into a bank account and accumulated over the last five years. Some of you are sitting there thinking, well, I would have zero, zero amount in my bank balance because I've never wasted any of my money. And uh, some of you, that would be in the hundreds of pounds. Some of you, that would be in the thousands. Now, here's the fun is that now we're going to give you 12 months and that money in your bank account is your generosity bank account and you have to give it away. And so that money can only be spent on generosity. How fun would that be? How amazing would that be? And you show up and something that's close to your heart, something that you're grateful for, or there's an appeal that you're walking past and you believe in it, and lo and behold, you've not got the leftovers, but you've got something to give. How joyful it is to be generous. Well, we can't change the past five years, but what if we change your future five years? What if we were able to come up with a plan, a financial plan, that enabled us to live a life of generosity. Uh, we have these verses from the Bible in Luke chapter 12, verses 15 to 21. And he said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. 
for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told him a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he said to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said to them, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you've prepared, whose will they be? Because the truth is that our possessions one day shall go somewhere. They're not truly ours. Every one of us, what we have accumulated on this earth, whose shall they be? When we die, they will either go into the ground and be buried, they'll be passed on to somebody else through our will, or if we haven't predecided, they will end up with someone else. And so the issue here is our possessions are going to end up somewhere anyway. Why not choose while we're alive how we're going to decide to use them. So, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. I think the only other thing that's less popular to talk about in church than finance is sex. So we'll start with finance. <laughs> My sex talk is there's male and there's female. Right, let's talk about the next issue. <laughs> okay. So I want to talk today how to be generous, not how to give. I don't want to teach you how to do something. This is not about doing. This is about being. Number one, being rich toward God. How to be generous. Because I reckon that most of you in here, a lot of you, are actually pretty good at giving and responding. And uh, evidence is in the appeals that we have uh, regularly in this church for many different things. But I want to talk today about how to be generous, not how to give. As I say, most of you are pretty good at that. Most of you are pretty good at responding to appeals, whether it's on Facebook now. I mean, Facebook's opened up a whole new opportunity for you to get asked way more often than you've ever been asked before uh, for, for finance, for support, through appeals. Maybe it's through guilt. Uh, maybe it's through pressure, maybe it's through somebody standing up the front. Some people have to move you to tears to give. Some of you it causes tears to give. And uh, so m most of us um, are pretty good at giving. But generosity really answers this question. Is your life centered and organized around generosity? What generosity is not, it's not sporadic giving. It's not spontaneous giving. It's not responding to appeals. It's not responding to pressure. It more answers the question, is my life centered and organized around generosity? If it's not, our, our, our giving is three yes. Our giving is sporadic. So that means we just give when we can. Whatever's left over at the end of the day, we just give to whatever the needs are. It's sporadic. But generous people are a lot more strategic and less sporadic. Generous people are 
are very specific and they are strategic in how they give, where they give, and how much they give. So if we don't organize and structure our financial life around generosity, it'll be sporadic, it'll be spontaneous, it will be with whatever's left over in my pocket or in my wallet after I've paid everything else, including my lattes and my uh, gingerbread lattes and um, what's my other favorite one? Gingerbread and cinnamon hazelnut. That's my favorite, hazelnut lattes. Costa fortune, don't they? That's why it's called Costa. Costa blooming fortune, goodness sake. Ridiculous. Just give me one for a pound. Someone should open Costa Pound. Any hot drink a pound. Come on, let's take on these big companies. Someone open up a coffee store, right? And sell me a gingerbread latte for a pound. I'm there. And it's sparing. So sparing, if our lives are not, financial life is not structured, we can only give what's left over. It's given the leftovers, okay? So generosity is not just random acts of giving. Um, because again, most of us are pretty good at random acts of giving. Most of us respond pretty well, and uh, we're very grateful for that. And uh, of course, generous people will respond, but they're way more strategic with their giving. A generous person, you see, has decided to order. And there's the word, order. I don't know what, I'm not standing up here today to teach you, listen guys, I've got this amazing financial life and I'm the most generous person in the whole of Dunfermline. I'm completely sorted financially. I'm completely sorted physically. My family's amazing. And my own spiritual life is just incredible. You should all be like me. I'm not standing up here today to tell you I have got it all sorted financially. I don't. I'm on a journey. I'm fortunate that I've been shown from a very young age that generosity, I should plan and order my financial life around generosity. So it's been easy for me growing up because when you start with what you have, which is very little, then it just, it just follows naturally as you grow older, regardless of what you earn. So we're on this journey together. So I'm not relaxed and I'm not here to put you under a big guilt trip, so relax. I'm not uh, here to make you feel guilty. None of that works. What works is the Holy Spirit. <laughs> The Holy Spirit, and that is what we're called to follow, to listen to, to hear, and to obey. So I'm just going to ask you, Holy Spirit, just speak to your people today, Holy Spirit. Would you be open to hear what the Spirit would say through me today, through his word, through the Bible verses? Would the Holy Spirit speak to you? I can't make you do anything. I'm not here to make you do anything. I'm not, uh, what, what was Britain's Got Talent? The X, what's that? Miss, I am X. I am not X. I can make you subconsciously do something that you don't really want to do. Okay, so relax. We're in this together, okay? But a generous person has decided to order their financial lives around generosity. And I suppose one of the key words there is order. God is a God of order. And what is your financial life like? If, if your financial plan was a garden, how maintained is your garden? You've got natural gardeners, which are just incredible, haven't you? Landscaped garden. Is your financial plan a landscaped garden? Or is it a complete <laughs> and utter chaos that's overgrown, out of control, and just uh, 
just, just an absolute mess. The truth be told, a garden needs to be kept on top of. A garden needs to be maintained. A garden needs regular attention, and so does our financial plan, our financial lives. And without it, we just consume, like a garden, we consume everything that we have, regardless of what our income is, regardless of what we earn. Go on. You deserve it. Why not? A bit of retail therapy. There's nothing wrong with a bit of retail therapy, and I'm not here to bang you on the head. In fact, I really like shopping. I like going in a bit of retail therapy. And, um, but what I want to say is generous people have adopted a new mindset because the natural mindset we need to learn generosity. We need to be taught generosity. We need to implement generosity uh, into our lives. Because the natural mindset is, if it's earned by me, it's to be spent on me. It's mine. I worked the 40 hours for it. I sweated, I labored, and so it's mine and all mine. So it's to be spent by me on me or my family, or whatever I, whatever I choose and desire. There's something Jesus taught, which is about stewardship, which is actually nothing we have is mine. Nothing I own is truly mine. And we go back to that parable of Jesus. He said, tonight your soul will be required of you, and whose will your possessions be? They were never really yours in the first place. That's the problem, because they're going to end up somewhere. They're going to go, and you're not going to keep them anyway. Stewardship understands that everything I have has been given by God. My ability to work is given by God. My ability to breathe is given by God. And it's all given to God for His glory. And what would be the priority of my finances? Would be, what are the priorities of God's kingdom? And Jesus taught, love God, love neighbor. Love God, love neighbor. Love God, love neighbor. So that must include finances. That must include my financial plan. That must include how I spend my money because it's an act of worship. Everything I have has been given to me by God, and God has given it to me and views me as a manager, a steward. And he is looking to see how I maintain, how I manage what I've been given. And there's so many verses that Jesus teaches, parables that Jesus teaches about the wise steward that invests wisely. And so all that we have been given, God has given to us, and he is watching us to see how well we manage with what he has given to us. And if we're faithful with small things on this earth, and Jesus teaches about eternal treasure, store up but your eternal bank account, and if we're faithful with the small things that he's given to us while on this earth, he can entrust us with cities in the, in the age to come. An eternal mindset. You see, generosity starts with a new mindset. Because the natural mindset, if it's earned by me, is to be spent on me. And we live in a consumer culture that consumes not only 100% of my income, 
It consumes 110% of my income. It consumes 120% of my income. In fact, it consumes 150% of my income. In fact, I'm already not coping financially. What I'm going to go do is go down to the car dealership and buy on credit something that immediately loses value and its cost increases because of interest. So as soon as I purchase that couch or that sofa or that car on credit, I'm already not coping financially. My garden's already a mess. But here, here's what to do. Let's um, let's, let's buy that car. The value immediately goes down, the cost immediately goes up. And that's our culture. If it's earned by me, it's to be spent on me. And the issue really is a spiritual one. Much of our financial problem is not finance, it's a spiritual one. Because generosity requires contentment and self-control. Qualities that our culture doesn't really speak highly of, doesn't really value, um, in fact, you know, um, I may have, for example, a holiday booked in Scotland for my family, and then I see on Instagram my best friend uh, showing all their photos on the beach, looking tanned, playing with a beach ball, having that quality ice cream, and all of a sudden my contentment, my, my Scottish holiday is like, I'm going to the travel agent, and I'm going to... I can't afford that, but I can't, I'm no longer content. I don't want to spend a week in the rain. Let's go, buy, let's, go, let's go buy a holiday that I can't afford. So self-control and contentment are huge. Uh, it's one of the fruits of the Spirit, self-control, and applied to my spending, applied to how I choose to spend my money. Because without contentment and without self-control, then I have nothing left to be generous anyway, apart from the pennies in my pocket. <laughs> in the Great Depression, in the lead up to the Second World War, in America they had this wonderful saying, and there's some values of our great-great-grandparents and great-grandparents that we've lost hugely in our culture today. And it's sad, because our culture is, if it's worn, chuck it out. If it's got a hole, buy a new one. If I need something, I get it now. I don't save up. I um, just buy it now. I buy it on credit. The, the actual uh, joy of saving up for something and going and purchasing it with money, it's completely gone for us because we can't wait. And that's why contentment and, and self-control it's a spiritual issue before a financial issue. And they had this wonderful saying, use it up, wear it out, make it do, or do without. How much can we do without? And my uh, parents-in-law are probably one of the greatest examples. Talk about generosity. They are the most generous couple I have ever known. I've been on the receiving end of it countless times, but not just a family. I remember a time someone in their church was getting married, and they allowed them to be married in their back garden and made that possible for them because they couldn't afford their wedding. And, and I'm sure, I don't know, but I'm sure there was uh, expenses that was covered. They are incredibly generous, but they're a generation that use it up, they wear it out. You know, when any of my girls have got a hole in their tights, like, when's grandma here? When's grandma coming? And as soon as grandma comes, there's all these wee tights and stuff. Go to grandma, grandma, can you, got a hole in my tights? I've got a hole in my skirt, grandma. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Love it. And there is something beautiful about contentment. Something beautiful that we live in a culture that goes against us. And we need to be cautious. So generous people don't assume it's theirs to consume. 
Generous people don't assume it's theirs to consume, okay? And that's the worldly mindset. Everything that I earn is mine to spend. But generous people order and prioritize their financial life around generosity. And it requires that really attractive, exciting word, plan. <laughs> Something that we, you may love a plan, and I, I realize there's some I'm speaking here today, speaking to the converted, I've got an amazing plan, are incredibly generous, and you've already organized and prioritized. In fact, we've got lots of great examples in here today of people that have, are generous, that have organized and prioritized their life around generosity. And that is why we're here in this beautiful building today, because we were raised by a generation of our founding fathers that were generous. They organized and prioritized and centered their financial life around generosity. Despite not having much, this whole building was bought without a roof. It was a complete ramshackle mess. Not one penny of this building that you see today was built on any sponsorship, any finance plans. It was from the sacrificial generosity of our founding fathers that though they didn't earn much, they said, you know what? We are giving to God. We're investing in God's kingdom. We're investing in eternal matters, eternal treasures. And we know that we're storing up treasure for us in heaven. Isn't that wonderful? Let's put our hands together, show our appreciation to our founding fathers for sacrifice that we today are living in the blessing of. And I tell you what, our children need us to be living that same sacrificial life of generosity into the kingdom of God and to the things that God cares about and to the things that are of eternal importance and our children reap the blessing of that. I'm grateful today. See, a generosity plan require, uh, this is the results. When you have a plan, when you're centered and organized and planned your finances around generosity, these are the results. You will give more, save more, consume less, and Jesus promises you will be happier. Because all your consumption, you know, doesn't really lead to happiness anyway. Of course, there's the adrenaline, the adrenaline of the first time you wear the new shoes or the, the new whatever it is, or there's the adrenaline, but we know that adrenaline leads to the depression once it's worn off. And what Jesus was talking about is a deeper sense of happiness than that. And also research has shown, this was uh, 2014, the New Republic website, it says, want to be happy? Stop being so cheap, okay? It says, this was the research. Start giving your money and time away. So science is only discovering what God's word has taught for thousands of years. And that's why I love the integration of science and faith. I don't see them in competition. I really believe science is just discovering the laws of God that are written into nature, written into his, his universe, his creation. And they are discovering that New research shows that you'll be happier for it. Americans who describe themselves as very happy volunteer an average of 5.8 hours per month. Those who are unhappy, just 0.6. This is just one of the findings in the paradox of generosity, a new book by sociologists Christian Smith and Hilary Davidson. And they presented their findings at the Science of Generosity Initiative in Notre Dame. And it says the results is among the most comprehensive studies of Americans' giving habits ever. 
Other findings include lower depression rates among Americans who donate more than 10% of their incomes, and giving away money isn't the only way to reap the, the psychological rewards of generosity. Americans who are very giving in relationships, being emotionally available and hospitable, are much more likely to be in excellent health, 48% than those who are not, 31%. You see, generosity needs taught. It's not something that's natural. It's not something that's inbred. You only need to give, buy your child a packet of sweeties and ask them for one to see if generosity is natural, if it comes naturally. In fact, I do that quite often. It's like, can I get one of your sweets, darling? No. <laughs> oh, come on. If you loved your dad, you'd give me one. No. And they genuinely won't. I'm like, oh, come on, just one. And occasionally they will. Occasionally I'll get one. And I'm like, the cheek of it. They are mine. They were purchased with my money, with the work that I earned. I'm asking you just to give me one actually of what's mine. And I wonder if sometimes that's how God views us with our packet of sweeties. And one of his children asks, like, no, <laughs> oh, you're all right. These sweeties are too good. I'm just going to keep them for myself because generosity doesn't come naturally and sharing doesn't come naturally. You, buy, you see kids on Christmas Day. Does generosity and sharing come naturally to children? <laughs> it's great to watch. It's not great. It's terrible to watch the fights that they have over, over their toys, but it needs talk. The secret to a successful financial plan I'll save you three weeks of going to the CAP money course, but you should go on the CAP money course. It's the best thing I've ever done, did it five, six years ago. And the CAP money course helps you if we will first humble himself, because I had to humble myself, because, you know, I'm, I'm not a complete idiot, but um, I wasn't great with my finances. And five or six years ago, I went on a CAP money course, Christians Against Poverty money course, taught you how to do this, how to order and plan and get your garden in shape and in order. Three bank accounts, one for savings, one for bills, and one for uh, uh, cash flow. And the secret is to spend less than you earn. Simple. Simple, but difficult to actually do because we consume not only what we earn, we consume over and above what we earn because of the ease of credit cards. And so if we're ever going to be generous, we have to start there. We have to start with spending less than we earn, which is the spiritual issue of contentment and self-control. You see, we don't feel rich, but we are. In fact, if you have a joint income, household income of $32,400, which is $25,600, which I realize many of you in here, that's way off. You're nowhere near that. Um, for a lot of you, joint household income is way above that. But if your joint household income is 25,600 per year, would allow you to be among the top 1% of income earners in the world. Wow. When we think about stewardship, what God expects of the 1%, that shouldn't come as condemnation. That should come as a responsibility, yes. Opportunity, yes. Joyful opportunity. To be countercultural and to live different from the standards of this world. That's what Jesus called to. We feel generous, but we aren't. 
generally speaking. There are a lot of generous people, but generally speaking, you see, we think we're generous because we think of the last time I gave a big gift, the last time I gave a big donation. But a figure I think that would be very helpful for you to know is what percentage of your total income have you given away in the past 12 months or even in the past month? If you look at everything that came into your house and the total percentage of that that you gave away, and I'm not going to tell you what that percentage should be because many people are looking for a law or looking for a number, but God looks to the heart and he looks to a relationship with the Holy Spirit and to listening, okay? But the percentage would give you a very uh, good idea and indication of how generous you are. In the Old Testament, we have what's called the tithe, which was the, the 10%. And they gave their tenth of whether it was their crops or their animals to God for the service at the, the temple. And many still follow that pattern. But what I'm going to ask is just, if you don't know that percentage, it's a good number to actually work out. And uh, when, when you get it, I'm going to just ask you to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to help you because the life of generosity is one of great joy. So what generosity is not, it's not spontaneous. It's much more strategic and spontaneous. In fact, generous people feel a lot, a lot less under pressure to give to demands and guilt and pressure for appeals because they've already predetermined how much they're going to give and where they're going to give and how they're going to give it. It's not determined by income. This is, this is the big thing is, how much more would it take for you to be generous? If I've got 10,000 pounds more, then I'll be generous. If I've got 20,000, what, what would it take for you to organize and structure and prioritize your life around generosity? 20,000 more, 50,000 more? The truth be told that many of us, the total joint household income that we're earning now, if we were told at 16 or 18 years of age what we'd be earning now, we'd go, wow, I'd be totally generous. I mean, that, that, that amount, I would, yeah, definitely. For some, and I, I realize it's a struggle and there's debt and we need to humble ourselves and seek help and I would encourage Christians Against Poverty in their money course. But it's not determined by income and it's not how much is given. You know, people say, oh, that was a very generous gift. Well, actually, only God and the person know if it was generous because Jesus actually told this story in Mark 12, 41 to 44 of the poor widow who gave her last two coins and Jesus compared her with the rich who gave large amounts. So we're very often impressed by large amounts. Oh, you're so generous. What a generous person. Jesus is not impressed. He's like, you know what? I tell you who I'm impressed with was the poor widow. Maybe you're here today and you're a poor widow. Maybe you have got nothing. You can have a lifestyle of generosity. You don't have to be rich. You don't have to have the 25,600 to be generous. You need to be in relationship with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, for they all contributed out of their abundance but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had to live on. See, whatever your current habit and financial generosity plan is, it will continue no matter how much you earn. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to continue. I'm, I'm doing part two next week, so I just want to close in a video. Um, I asked someone in this church to... Uh, just give their story of generosity. And um, this, is, this is their story. That's me and my brother, my first ever job. 
I got one and a half pence per newspaper. I delivered 122 extra newspapers and cars were placed on Fairland. I got £1.83. My parents taught me to prioritise and structure and organise my finance around generosity. So my 20 pence was immediately put in the pot of generosity. That's what I'm given, what I'm given to God. And I was left with £1.63 and didn't think anything of it. And then I went to £18. Um, at John Menzies, used to cycle down from cars were placed, did two paper rounds, nine pound per paper round, me and bro did two, because we were so uh, entrepreneurial. <laughs> two newspaper rounds, 18 pound, two pound immediately, when we got our pay packet went aside, I've got 16 pound. Uh, that's, that's my generosity. So it was easy, it was natural, as my income grew and increased. But the, the, the truth be told, whatever your current habit is, you say, well, when I get to this level, when I get to this level, then, then I'll be generous. What I want to say is start now. Start somewhere, get on a ladder, pray about it, get the plan. Get, but the, the, the trick is putting it first, not last. And Michael's going to talk about that. Michael's going to talk in this little video. And I'll come back and share this other passage that uh, I was going to speak on today. But I'm going to skip some slides because I way overestimated how much I was going to say today and close on this, okay. Morning church, Michael here. Pastor Aidan's asked me just to share a little bit about um, giving and my own personal journey and thoughts on how we apply that to Hananiah's life. Um, and you know, I just want to start off by saying it's not easy. You know, maybe some of you out there find it easy, but certainly for myself, um, it's been a, a journey that I've been on uh, for a number of years now um, and I still remember coming from a non-Christian family when I first heard about this whole concept of tithes, of offerings, of giving um, it was very alien to me didn't really understand it, didn't know why anyone would want to apply that in their life um, didn't make sense to me and I still remember my first paycheck um, when I graduated from university um, I bought myself a Dunfermline football season ticket I bought Hannah a Nintendo Wii so I could go and play at her house. And I bought myself an electric toothbrush. Um, obviously hygiene comes first, so no idea why, but I had a desire for an electric toothbrush and I had the money to do it. I was young, I was free, um, had no financial responsibilities. And that's just where I saw, if you like, my priorities with money um, go. Um, Hannah and I then got engaged and obviously my priorities changed, I wanted to make sure I was saving for a wedding, so kind of all my money went towards that, if you like. Um, and then I remember, obviously, you know, H Hannah coming from a Christian background, she's had a good upbringing with tithes and offerings, and she kind of started to introduce it to me, and I was reading about it, and you know, it kind of made sense what the Bible was saying, so I used to, you know, I, I started to apply that in my life, um, but the way I would apply it was, I would still prioritise what I wanted to do first and then tithe at the end of that. Um, so, you know, even, even as Hannah and I got married, it would very much be, you know, pay the rent, make sure there's food on the table, make sure I've got my new football boots, uh, make sure we've saved up for a holiday, and then I would take what was left at the end of the month and kind of say, weigh up the decision, can I or can't I? Yeah, yeah, I can, let, let, let's tie this month or, oh, I can't really tie this month because we need that for um, a new washing machine, whatever it may have been. So some months I would go without tithing. Um, I then kind of had a change of heart, if you like. Um, I would then make sure that it was a bit of a priority and I would try and tithe every single month. But even though I had a change in that side of things, 
I was very bitter. I used to hate tithing. Um, you know, as I said, it would come to the end of the month still. I would look at how much money I had left and I'd be like, you know, you always know when you're a bad tither. If you go in your online banking like a 65-year-old man, always compare it to my dad. And, you know, you use your one finger to put in your figure, you know, £85. There you go, God, what are you going to do with that? And that's very much how I applied tithing in my life. It was kind of, I really struggled in my heart to actually give it to God. Um, I knew it was his. But I just struggled with it. I always felt I could do more with my money than he could do with it. Um, and that was kind of, that was really the first big change that I knew I had to make. And, you know, maybe there's people out there today in church, um, I'm sure there is, that have that same bitter feeling towards their, their kind of their giving towards the church. Um, that they feel that, you know, the church doesn't, kind of, the church shouldn't have it, God shouldn't have it, and it's their money, they've earned it, they've worked 40 hours a kind of weak for that money therefore it's theirs and you know I very much changed my heart realized that I need to remove that bitterness and kind of when I had that breakthrough um, you know I was praying about it and I just got that that real breakthrough from God that you know this is his money and I, I, not even money it's just this is his it belongs to his and I think for me um, I very much had that change and all of a sudden I started to realize that you know I, I'm not receiving a blessing back from God based on the 10% I give. I, I could give 10%, I could give 8%, I could give 5%. Um, it's not the the value that God pours a blessing back out to, but rather it was the heart. And because I didn't have the right heart in my tithes and offerings, I really believed that there was some financial blessings or blessings in our life that I wasn't seeing. Um, so I had that change and all of a sudden we started to see more and more blessings coming. Um, about four or five years ago, I then heard this amazing sermon from a guy called Pastor Robert Morris, and it was called The Principle of First. Um, and he very much used scripture to back up this whole um, theory behind how God is first. Um, you know, we see in Exodus when the Lord speaks to Moses, he says that any of the firstborn of man and beast belongs to the Lord. And in Leviticus, it's the same, but it applies when it says any of the, the first seed from the land or fruit from the trees belongs to the Lord. And, and we even see in God himself, you know, he gave his one and only son, his firstborn, as that living sacrifice. Um, and the whole theory and principle behind this concept is the fact that rather than doing what I was doing, which was paying my bills, making sure I had food on the table and making sure everything was in order in my life and then tithing, it kind of flipped that whole thing on its head and it very much applied this concept that really what we should be doing and now what Hannah and I do is, you know, even before the VAT man sees any of my pennies, even before a pension comes out, we take our top figure and we very much take that and we apply that 10% God comes first, that first rule principle to our lives. Um, and that means that money goes right out before I even consider paying for a mortgage, before I consider how am I going to get food on the table, before I consider even, you know, how am I going to put nappies on holly? We very much apply that rule. Um, and one thing I would say to church is it's scary, it's a heart decision, it's a faith decision. But I just want to say that we have seen financial blessing, we have seen miracles in our life you know we're blessed with an amazing house now in the middle of Dunfermline whereas before we used to rent we couldn't see how we could save for a mortgage 
we applied this rule in our life and then all of a sudden we're blessed with a mortgage, we're blessed with a house. Um, and I believe it's not just financial blessing we see, it's just blessings all round. You know, Hannah and I both gave up our jobs and we've managed to get involved and run a successful business now, which is great. We've seen blessing on that and, and of course blessing our family with the amazing Holly. So, so church, I just want to encourage you. I just want to say, you know, if you can change your heart and if you can apply this kind of principle in your life, um, I truly believe you're going to see blessings and outpourings. And, you know, just as a, a bit of encouragement, it says in Proverbs um, chapter 3, verse 9 and 10, it says, honor the, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. Let's, uh, let's have the band back up, shall we? Thank you so much, Michael, for sharing that. I love what Michael said there. It's the first, not the last. And I just want to ask uh, for you, uh, Vine Church, many of you are doing this already, and thank you so much to the 51 regular givers. We've got 51 people that give regularly to the Vine Church. Thank you. Thank you so much, because... Um, this church only exists from the giving of its people. We have no outside funding at all. Um, and we have an incredible conference center that pays us monthly rent and it pays us profit and it gives us other advantages as well. So this, the two sources of income this church it has is your giving and Divine Conference Center. And at its current level, we are running £2,000 a month short. And that's not why I'm here, to twist your arm or to make you feel guilty, but I have to, and uh, one of the trustees next week will explain that in a little bit more detail, but we are um, probably a month or two away to going what's into what's called our reserve fund. We're praying, we're believing and asking God that the Waymaker would turn it around. We've been trying hard for 12 months on our own strength to make it happen. I've gone back to pharmacy, as you know, two days per week. We've slashed nearly every budget. There's no budget left to slash, and we're slashing it again. We've just made more decisions to slash more of our budget. Um, and, uh, and, and, and so we're doing all that we can. We're, 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 we're grateful for four amazing trustees that you can have absolute 100% confidence that we'll be good stewards of the money that you give to us. They ensure that we're not wasting our money. They ensure that we're giving away and prioritizing the money we're spending. So thank you, God. I'm not one of those trustees. Alan, Mel, um, Roland. I said Mel. Roland, Mel, Alan, and Hannah. Sorry. My brain, too much in it, too much uh, John Wesley and stuff. Um, so we're believing and trusting God that the sacrifice of our founding fathers that we don't have to, to lose this building, um, that we can, we can remain here. Because I'm sure you would agree what a tremendous, huge blessing it is. It is. It's a huge blessing in our community. But it's not all about the building. It's about the people. Of course, the church is the people of God. But you, you say that to someone that's not got a building. It's not all about the building. They go, no, but we want one. And we want yours. And we're praying and asking God 
that we would have a building like yours because it's a huge blessing in our community. We had hundreds of children here having a Christmas party because you give, because we're able to use this as a blessing, and that's just one of, of countless examples. But with 51 regular givers, we can't afford it. We're losing money, and so we're praying. We're looking to God because God is the only one that can do it. And I just want to ask you that maybe, where are you in the ladder of giving? So you've got the, the floor, which is I don't give anything at all to the church. Step number one up would be maybe where some of you are, I give occasionally. It's the last of what I give. I give occasionally. And I get that. For you, that's a sacrifice because that's around at the pub. <laughs> I mean, for, for generosity, for someone's buying around at the pub. And that is. And I get that. And I get that in a culture too. So when you give your 10 or 20 quid here and there, it's a sacrifice. It really is. And so thank you. Thank you for those who do give generously. But a body doesn't survive on adrenaline. And for many of us, we give in response to adrenaline or emotion. But what a body needs is a heartbeat. And the heartbeat of the body is a regular generosity of its people. That's why we're here today, because of the generosity. I see Ian and Kay sitting before me there. The generosity of our founding members. I see Ian and Fiona. I see many for many, many years. And so I just want to encourage you, what feeds the church financially? And I would talk next week about this is a good place to invest your money because I think the priority is the kingdom of God and what lasts for eternity and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Of course, what we're grateful for and what breaks our heart, that's how we can give to God. But what, what really is a priority is the kingdom of God, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, and that what is this church is all about. That's our vision, is to bring the good news to this city and all the cities across the world. So I'm not here to put pressure on you. I'm just asking you that if you're not a regular giver, to consider it, to pray, to ask the Holy Spirit. And as Michael was talking about, maybe move it from last to first. Get a financial plan for your life. There's something that's private. It's something that's personal. But you know it's not something Jesus shied away from either. And so the church shouldn't because actually this is, this, is, this is the truth. In terms of number of verses on possessions, the topic is mentioned in the Bible more than any other. Three times more than love, seven times more than prayer, eight times more than belief. And 17 of the 38 parables are about possessions. We have no problems talking about love, prayer, and belief in the church. And we shouldn't have any problems talking about possessions. So church, I'm just going to pray for the Holy Spirit to come. Please close your eyes. If you can make that decision today, there's standing order forms up the back. There's gifted forms up the back. If you want to pray about it and think about it over the coming weeks, please do so. Even if you want to take a form away. But Holy Spirit, I just pray. Lord, I can't I can't do anything, I can't manufacture anything, I can't change anything, I can't rescue anything, I can't save anything, I can't do anything, God. 
So we give this to you. You said you will build your church. You said the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And we know it's not about a building, Lord. But my goodness, we are grateful for this great blessing that you have given to us. So Lord, I just pray, Holy Spirit, you would speak to each soul today. Lord, that we would order and structure our lives around generosity. Because you said it is more blessed, it's more happy to give than to receive. It's more blessed, it's more happy to live a life that's ordered and prioritized around giving and ordered and prioritized around receiving and consuming. It is more blessed. There's a blessing, there is a joy, there's a, a fulfillment, there's a deep satisfaction. Lord, when we tend the garden of our finances and we worship you with what you have given to us. Let's stand to our feet. So we ask you this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, just move amongst your people. Speak to your people. Stir hearts, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you, God, for your love, for your kindness, your goodness. Let's, let's, let's show it up for the ultimate generosity of God who gave his only son, Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave, he gave, he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not have perished but have eternal life. Let's, 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 uh, let's worship. Thank you, guys.